I am absolutely obsessed with understanding our relationship with money. And really on a deeper level. And one of the most exciting things that I discovered a couple of years ago was reading some research that was done by an Australian bank called ANZ around what constitutes financial well-being. And they came up with some figures, particularly around what makes us better with money. And one of the figures that I was fascinated with was 9% of knowledge and experience, and that is understanding financial products, understanding risk and knowledge of certain products, only makes up about 9% of financial well-being. Now, this says to me that financial literacy, which is what we do a lot of, is important, absolutely. But it's actually only a very small part of our relating or being in relationship with money or managing money. All the rest, there's social implications, what we were taught, economic factors, how much you know, actual income we have coming in to our household. There's these greater parts at play, but only 9% is financial literacy, knowing about a budget, knowing how to invest, all that sort of, it's only a very small amount. I'm completely fascinated about is all the rest, our behaviors, our psychology, our mindset, and even a little bit deeper than that, kind of our, our physiology, where we go when we are relating or having to deal with money. Do we freeze and feel like we can't change our circumstance? Or do we put our head in the sand and, and just kind of ignore our financial situation. And, and this really, really fascinates me. And so what I've done through my study is I, I do a lot of work in the somatic experiencing. And that is with uh, Peter Levine in somatic experiencing. And what that is, is he is a psychologist who started to research the behavior of animals in the wild and thought, you know what, animals don't appear to be traumatized. I mean, they're out there living on the Serengeti and there's a whole lot of predators and they sometimes have the encounters with these predators, yet they pretty much recover, you know, after being chased down by a lion and maybe they've escaped and then don't appear to be traumatized. And so he's looking really at the fundamentals of survival. And this is how I work with my clients. I'm looking at money as the issues of survival, because that's really what money is. You know, at its basis or its core, it's about survival. So with this in mind, this kind of biological looking at money, I think it's really important that we can you know, in order to change the way we are with money, beyond saying, okay, I'm going to budget, but you know, that budget, do it for two or three weeks or two or three pays, and then it falls by the wayside. And this is what that piece that I'm really trying to uncover, what happens to my client when they start sabotaging, or when they they feel like they can't stick to it, or they feel that they don't believe that they can expand their business, or that they can ask for a raise, or that they feel like they'll ever be worth more than, you know, their current situation. And I'm really trying to inquire, why is it that some brains in there or some some nervous systems in there can can expand, can be flexible, can be resilient and recover, and what's not? So what I'm doing in this episode is I'm going to look at the neuroscience of what's really supportive ways that we can be better at money. So we know that there's a lot of chemicals running around in our brain and particularly really great chemicals that can support our growth. 
So the first one I want to talk to you about is dopamine. And dopamine is the reward chemical. Once we have achieved something, once we've had a little success, we feel good. And that dopamine hit is running through our brain and we feel good about ourselves. Yeah. So dopamine is something that we can tap into. And the ways that we can tap into dopamine, making us feel better about money and better about how we manage our money, is by achieving little habits right? So every time you do something around money, like you transfer some money from your pay packet into your saving account, you need to celebrate that and celebrate it in a really kind of visceral way. Like, yes, I've done it. Now, the more that you can celebrate those tiny wins, the more you're setting up in your brain to fire off a bit of dopamine, meaning that even the little act of transferring some money into your savings is going to power up that little dopamine kick and you're going to feel good about it, which means that you will want to return to that feeling in the future. So you've already hooked in this kind of pleasure uh, response from putting some money away with savings. The same thing is about when we can pay down debt. By creating a tiny habit around paying down debt and celebrating it by going, yes, I've done that, we are again creating a charge in the brain that makes us feel good, which means that we will want to return and, and repeat the practice. So what I often do when it comes to the practicals of working with clients is I say, okay, deposit about 10% of your income into savings. And if you can get that little habit, if you can be make that your focus, remember it, do whatever you need to make sure that, you know, that you can celebrate that win and do it as a physical experience. Like, yes, I mean, it may seem a bit kind of crazy in the beginning, but it actually works and you're actually getting dopamine to fire in your brain and it makes you feel good. So about 10% you could work out as being that, that amount that you could do to get that dopamine hit. Another important part is often with clients is is that they allocate about 10% of their money for play money. And play money is really important because life's hard and we often have many obstacles and challenges in our life. And we need to have play or resource ourselves in order for us to build up our sense of resilience so that when we take the hard hit, we can recover. So play money is really important. And I'm going to go deeper into what you can use your play money for. But it's important just to use about 10% of your income on play so that you're again having a joyful experience that you can build dopamine in your head, make you feel better. And then you're better able to put away money for saving, put away money for paying down debt. You feel you just generally feel better about you managing money. So we're really trying to hack those chemicals in our brains so that we can be better with money. So that's dopamine. Make sure that you apply about 10% to play money and make sure that every time you do a tiny habit, whether you pay off a little bit of debt or pay, put some money away in your savings, that you celebrate it with a physical win. And I'm talking about like, yes, usually, a, you know, a hand punch, a little celebration, make sure you feel it in your body. That's what gives that lovely charge of dopamine in your head. The next one is endorphins. And endorphins are the stress reliever hormones. So of course, we all experience stress and it's vitally important that we have chemicals such as endorphins to relieve that stress. No organism, no nervous system can constantly be in a state of stress. It's terrible for our body. We know that. 
One of the best ways to create endorphins is by doing exercise. The way I often try to encourage my clients to do exercise is actually rather than running themselves to exhaustion, but actually making it kind of a place or a time where you can actually enjoy that sort of impulse to run or that impulse to to skip or anything like a child does. Children are very resilient because they are kind of using their play again, that word, they're using their exercise or even play from a place of, of kind of joy and playfulness. Often when we get stressed, we, we might use exercise as a way to build those endorphins, but we're kind of doing ourselves to exhaustion. See if the next time that you can, you're going for a run or you're at the gym, that you can feel that impulse in your body to actually do the movement, the running. In nature, animals kind of pronk. They kind of get that sort of wonderful, explosive experience. See if you can tap into that place. And from there, the endorphins really kick in in a lovely, healthy way, rather than exercising ourselves to exhaustion. Yeah. Another beautiful way to be better with money and getting getting great chemical hacks in the brain is laughter. Laughter is one of the greatest things we as humans can do for ourselves. It does it sends endorphins into our system, it relaxes muscles, it you know, it it kind of takes the seriousness and that kind of rigidity out of la- of life. So if you can really find a way to, you know, experience a bit of laughter in your life, you're going to just means again that you can be more resilient, more financially resilient. If you you get a shock because that bill came in and you you weren't surprised or you lost a job, if you can find a way to integrate laughter in your life, it builds up a sense of resilience. And you know what? Endorphins are fabulous for creativity and problem solving. So when we're having a challenging issue with money, One of the things we need to do is get creative and problem solve. So endorphins is a really great way to, if we've got that running through our systems, through our brains, we're also, we're building financial resilience. We're not only building, you know, physical resilience, mental health resilience, but we're building financial resilience because we're better able to kind of solve the problems and challenges in our life. So... This is where you could put your play money onto something that makes you feel joyous and happy. It could be going off to the um, carnival park. What are those things called? Going on a roller coaster, going to a movie, something that gives you a whole lot of joy. This 10% that we've put away for our play money, put it onto something that's going to get your endorphins happening in a really joyful and playful way. We're looking at nourishing the soul, not just, you know, nourishing our bank accounts serotonin is the next one the well-being chemical meditation is a great way to tap into serotonin massages things where um, you're really really being relaxed and really being nurtured and cared for things like a massage that's a great place to put your play money that's going to get your serotonin levels so it's important that you do a practice like meditation where you're just bringing the whole body down total relaxation so you're really feeling that kind of stress relief and centeredness and groundedness and with this is what doing a massage or meditation is really inviting and that's when we get the serotonin moving into our brains serotonin decreases anxiety money is sort of that thing that can be anxiety creating so having good healthy levels of serotonin 
means that we are better able, we're better able to cope basically and we're reducing our anxiety levels. It's also really great for depression as well. When you're depressed, you know, you're more likely to be gambling or doing retail therapy just to try and make you feel a little bit better. So having good levels of serotonin means that we're less impulsive. So if you've got issues of a lot of retail therapy, not being able to control that, do something that supports your serotonin levels. So these factors of having low serotonin can make us overspend, make us gamble and risk our money, that sort of impulsive, depressive, anxious place that we might go around money and then we kind of lose our self-agency when we're not feeling 100% in our mental health. And then that can also play out in our financial circumstances. Serotonin is really great for learning, focus and memory. And these qualities are really needed for financial well-being. You know, when we're wanting to find out about investment products or strategies and things like that, if we've got great serotonin levels, it's going to support that underlying practice. Our last one in the scope of what makes us great with money and getting our brain and our chemicals to support that process, our money neuroscience, and that is oxytocin. And oxytocin is actually a love hormone. You may have heard in a previous episode, the uh, financial abuse, oxytocin emanates at the top of baby's heads. It's our love chemical. It makes us fall in love and it's a beautiful feeling. And the way we can actually get oxytocin levels or increase oxytocin levels in our brain and in our nervous system is by sharing our money story with someone that we that we trust it can build a lovely sense of intimacy in friendship and even in intimate partners where we can share something that's been really challenging for us and our money story let me tell you up and down rich or poor everybody's got one. And the more that we can kind of really own our story, own our vulnerability and and all the issues and challenges that we've had around money is a great place to start. So I really recommend, you know, certainly for intimate partners that you share and learn to share your money story. Now, I'm not saying that this is in any way easy, but if you can start bringing it in as part of that process that you would have said, maybe share past relationships and how they may have been challenging. Money and the money story can be another great place where we connect in intimate partners, that we become a little bit more vulnerable. And through that, we're creating oxytocin, which means, you know, we're falling in love even more with our partner. But it doesn't have to be an intimate partner. It can be friends as well. Of course, we love our friends. And to build trust and understanding with friends, you know, sharing our money story. The more we get brave around being able to share, hey, this was what it was like for me growing up. And these are the kind of challenges that I took away into my adulthood. And these are the things that I still, you know, find difficult. It's really, one, you get to know a little bit about yourself, you're doing a bit of inquiry, and two, by sharing it with another, you're understanding what's really good in that kind of connecting that we do with other nervous systems is we see that actually we're all pretty much in the same boat. And that's part of what I'm doing in this podcast is that I ask my guests, you know, how was money for them growing up? It just normalizes 
that we all have challenges. We often think our brain is always trying to find evidence about why I'm terrible with money and everybody in the whole wide world is fabulous at it. Well, actually, that's not so true. And the more that we can understand that we all are challenged about it, you know, it just gives us all a bit of a break. And that's what I'm very keen to do is just to be a lot more kind and compassionate with ourselves and particularly around money. So oxytocin, the love hormone, share your money story with someone that you care for. After that, have a hug, you know, it may have brought up some feelings. It may have brought up some tender feelings, a bit of a bit of sadness, a bit of grief, a bit of loss of understanding or, you know, regret. Have a hug. Brain, even the nervous system loves touch. It's one of the most resourcing Uh, experiences that we can have as humans so after you've shared your money story give that person a hug and make it a big one don't just go tap 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 and then get out out of there no really feel the other person and really feel them feeling you and just really kind of breathe into that touch is a beautiful thing for increasing our oxytocin levels the other thing is a really lovely practice and it's and it's quite an interesting practice to do but actually really works in increasing our oxytocin levels is putting our hand on our heart and really just focusing on our heart, you know, the part of us that is ultimately very human beyond our personality, beyond, you know, our stories and our histories and our family experience and and everything, but actually that we're profoundly human. So putting your hand on your heart, maybe in in a time of doing meditation, but you could do it at the end and saying, you know, I didn't receive all the tools that I needed to be better with money. I'm learning them now. Just really take that in. We all didn't get the guidance. We may have got guidance, but it may have been a guidance that was interpreted from the person that was giving it to us. We never really had guidance that was specific and centric to our needs. I often see this in a practice. We get very tied up in the fact that, well, you know, hey, I should have, you know, my parents were really good at it and and I should have been good at it too. Well, you're actually different from your parents. And this is where we can often beat ourselves up. So doing this lovely practice where you've got your hand on your heart and you just gently say to yourself, hey, you know, I didn't get the guidance that I needed but I'm learning it now because life really is a lifelong journey. It doesn't just, we pop into adulthood and we should all have it handled. In fact, the more I work with people and the more I do my own work, I see this journey of life and growing and, and growing up is lifelong. It doesn't matter what age you're at. So that's a lovely practice that you might want to do. Another beautiful piece after doing a little meditation, our heart meditation, is just taking a deep breath in and letting it go. Yeah. And then take another deep breath in and let it go. What I often see a lot with working with people is we're holding our breath. Our experiences around money and survival, am I going to survive, means that we hold our breath. The more that we can be conscious of letting in a good deep breath and letting it go, the more we are really not only working with money neuroscience, but we're working with money and the nervous system, survival and the nervous system. So see if you can really take in that mindful practice 
of breathing in and letting it go. Yeah. If you wanted to head over to the financialtherapy.org website, you can go to the resources tabs and you can find these lovely little notes that you can download to any device and happily share or use as resources if you work with clients in any way. It'd be nice if you could tag me or get in contact and say that you're enjoying the show. So this is a short and sweet and beautiful episode starting the year of Money Neuroscience Hack the ways to get you being better with money. Check out financialtherapy.org for more details about my book, my work, and the courses that I run. And go over and pick up these free little resources on the website to get you being better with money. 